That Naturopathic Podcast. TNP. Hello there. Hi, and thanks for joining us. I'm Dr. Michelle Pobega, naturopathic doctor. And I'm Dr. David Miller, MD, and we hear your frustrations. This show is for you. This show is for you if you're feeling like your current healthcare strategy is not getting to the root cause or the underlying reasons for your health. This show is for you if you've been told that you're fine, but you definitely don't feel very well. This show is for you if you're walking out of your doctor's office with one, two, three, four, or even five medications without any mention of diet, lifestyle, or a long-term game plan. This show is for you if you've got several specialists taking care of you, but no one is really putting all the pieces together. This show is for you if you believe that health should be part of healthcare. These problems have solutions. We know it. Our patients know it. And we want you to know it. Naturopathic medicine is the solution that you should know about. Hey everyone, Dr. Dave here. As you probably know, this podcast is all about getting the word out there that naturopathic medicine has got some serious game. Educating and inspiring our listeners to work towards and achieve better health is what it's all about. But just like it takes energy and effort to invest in and strive towards greater health, it takes energy, effort, and financial support to do all the podcast things necessary to keep this message coming at you. So please afford me a moment to share our gratitude and give a real heartfelt thank you to our show sponsor, Cytomatrix Canada. Their patient focus focused vision of improving health outcomes with the use of high quality naturopathic doctor designed supplements is 100% in alignment with what we're trying to do here at the podcast. Their enthusiasm for supporting what we're trying to do for you, the listener, encourages us to keep producing content that will inform and inspire. Thanks again to our sponsor, Cytomatrix Canada. Hey, welcome to another episode of that naturopathic podcast. Dr. Dave here, naturopathic doctor, because I have to say that, right? Yeah. And I have uh, Dr. Michelle Pobega here again with me, naturopathic also, doctor. Also naturopathic doctor. <laughs> Make sure that we don't break any of the rules with our board. Nope. Um, We're like yeah. good little naturopaths. We are good little naturopaths, aren't we, Kono? <laughs> um, so, Michelle, what's going on this week? All good? All good. Today is a stunningly beautiful day. And it feels like spring is finally making a, co- a comeback for the year. And it's very exciting. I feel rejuvenated as a human. Yeah. It's lovely. Yeah. yeah. Sort of like how I feel after a, uh, a very nice, successful bowel movement. And uh, that's relevant because we're going to talk about um, constipation. It's true. How good it fe- Doesn't it feel good after? It, it, it's probably one of the best feelings I had. I posted something on my Instagram once and it was, it was a picture of Kim Kardashian, but she was like strutting through the streets, throwing up two peace signs. Yeah. And I made it into a meme and it was like what I look like when I walk out of the da- the bathroom after the perfect deuce. And uh, I was like, it's it. It's you feel like a superhero. You're just like, I nailed that shit. For literally. sure. Literally. And then, you know, the, the antithesis of that is, is constipation. Yeah. And it's terrible. And, yeah. um, Somehow we've gotten around talking about it as a as a uh, singular topic on this podcast, um, but finally it it's it's coming. We're going to talk about constipation. We're going to zoom in strictly on constipation. Yeah, it's super important. It's super common, um, and uh, maybe you know definitions can be helpful. But let's maybe you can uh, describe to our listeners uh, why the definition in in your view, and, and I actually share the same view as you uh about this is the the definition may not be super helpful in a way because of the way that it's defined yeah so if we look at the rome 3 functional constipation criteria and get really really like book book nerdy about it 
it says it has to include two of the following. You have to strain for at least 25% of the time, lumpy or hard stools 25% of the time, feeling like it's an incomplete void. Everything is like 25% of the time. Yeah. Um, obstruction or blockage. Um, manual maneuvers are required, like having to digitally kind of evacuate. And you, Which are, you don't hear very often. No, no, you don't. And then the other one is, is the definition of constipation is if you have fewer than three defecations per week, that's the part. Uh, pardon? Pardon? Per, that's the part that I have. I have, I object. <laughs> I, I object as well. Yeah. That's the yeah. part of the definition that I have a hard time with. Um, if you can't poop once a day, I already consider that constipation. Yeah. I, I think I, I would agree with your, uh, sort of personal view on it there. I think it's really, yeah, that's, I think, yeah, I completely agree with the one a day. If, if you're eating like stuffing food down your gob at least three times a day and nothing's coming out the other end at least a once problem. a day. Yeah. I think. Houston, we got a problem. We have a major problem. So I would never, I would, if someone comes into me and they're pooping three or even four times, like, so if they're saying four times a week, that would yeah. no longer be part of the criteria according to yeah. this, like Rome criteria. But for yeah. me, I was like, no, no, you should never be skipping ever a day. No, I completely agree. So, and because, you know, like you said, if you're eating three times a day, even twice a day, like, your body needs to evacuate and make more space yeah, exactly. for more food coming in. And how is your body detoxing? If you're, if you're not eliminating through your poop, that's your main way of getting rid of what no longer serves you. And if stuff is lingering a little too long, you know, we get, we get enterohepatic recirculation of nasty yeah. things, even just, yeah. you know, and just enterohepatic recirculation feeding, of feeding the wrong bugs. Yeah. Even just, but even if it's just, you know, say there's one molecule of estrogen in your, you know, in your bowel and then it goes so slow through the bowel that it gets recirculated so now you've got one molecule being used twice so you can see how it can have massive effects on other really important systems yeah it's not just about pooing it's not just about pooing i guess is what we should say too right like as, okay, as wonderful as that sensation is I know. It's it beyond, is it's beyond just not feeling like you're carrying a small baby in your belly and having to deliver that every morning <laughs> it's beyond the satisfaction of alleviating that pressure are you talking about the sensation of anal rectal obstruction or blockage at least 20 percent of defecations i know i love these i love these definitions they're so sterile sounding or they say loose stools are rarely present without the use of laxatives meaning you're using laxatives yeah well i mean um, <laughs> That yeah. tells you something already if you have to yeah. use a laxative, right? Yeah. And then the last thing is there's insufficient criteria for a diagnosis of irritable bowel syndrome, which irritable bowel syndrome is also just like a, like a, a lame catch-all when nobody else can well, figure it. Nobody can figure anything to, out. Yeah. yeah. We beat that one to death. A, I just uh, find that that's interesting. Ago. I find it it's is. funny that it's in the, that it's in the definition. I'm just kind of like, but that's a death. That's just like a, that's like a fallback when you can't figure out what's going on. Yeah. So I was like, how is that even? Part it's a fallback of, of a fallback. Right. So, so I, I think what's, I think what's really important. And I, and I talked to Janice Taylor, who's a physiotherapy, uh, a physiotherapist that I work with here in my area. She's amazing. Um, and I highly recommend that episode uh, on pelvic floor. Mm. Um, so that's the first thing I would start with is sort of the, the, the last 
the last part of the of the sort of elimination process being actual active defecation. Um, and if there's a problem in those muscles or those those uh, structures that are responsible, whether it's discoordination or weak muscles or too tense, like Janice knows all that stuff. Um, that's where we have to. That's where I think we should start a lot of the time. Um, and I will say I've had people do well without doing that. But if I was say I was to say here's the best way to sort of like go through it. If you have problems with straining, here we go. Straining, you got a problem. You should not be straining. You should like sit down and it should slip and slide out and it's all good. If all you're good. straining, we got a problem. So that's where I would that's where I would say a lot of times we could as naturopaths, we could do a good service by uh, you know, maybe referring out if we don't have the manual skills to assess and treat. Uh, I think you would you would form uh, a way better team by uh, getting a good pelvic floor physiotherapist um, on your team if there's straining. Yeah, I just I started seeing an osteopath recently myself, and every time she 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 did some wild stuff on my liver a couple of weeks ago. And I was like, Poof. and then it felt like it took a few, a few days for my digestion to recalibrate as my body was like purging. Cool. And then yeah, on Monday, she did visceral work in my abdomen with the mesentery and everything too. But it felt like going in there. And even though she's gentle, just I had some wild sensations in my abdomen. And then I started getting like weird headache spots in my head. And then it felt like oh, neat, neat. my Yeah. And then it felt like my digestion had to renormalize uh, at, for a few days after that. Cause like something got shifted. It was super, it was super cool. I've seen a lot of links when I do manual, like visceral stuff between the liver and the uh, not between of the liver and the stomach to cranial structures. Very interesting stuff. I yeah. hope you know more someday, but yeah, the, your, your liver and your stomach, uh, through some really intricate anatomy is attached to your cranial bones. Yeah. But she did some, uh, she did some abdominal stuff. And like, when I say my digestion needs to normalize, I mean, my elimination processes had like shifted and I noticed that after. Yes. So it was really, really cool to see how like my bowels were just like working themselves out after that osteopathic stuff and it's great it's so the good. gangster it's the gangster stuff yeah it really and, is. and if somebody has chronic constipation sometime okay so th there are some basic go-tos that i yeah, have start with immediately your, yeah let's start with some of the easy stuff that both you and i would go okay let's hope this is sort of a standard what you've yeah. you're already doing first what are you thinking of well here's the thing most people in north america are not eating a diet that really fosters good bowel movements in the first place they don't foster proper bile elimination that helps lubricate your bowels it doesn't foster proper microbial growth which will affect your bowels they don't need enough fiber to just like create good lubricated bulked bowels yeah yeah so so or they're not hydrated they drink a lot of stuff but a lot of it's not water and a lot of it's like coffee yeah. or alcohol so sometimes it's just those rudimentary basic things, drinking more water, balancing out their meals so that there is more fiber content on their meals from a vegetation perspective. Cause a lot of people love grains, but they end up being like glue in the body. So I tend to do a lot of that as, as a, as an upfront. And if it feels indicated, magnesium might be a, a, an initial supplement recommendation and or psyllium. Yeah these days. Are, and I used to not be a psyllium girl, but you know that I am now. Yeah. We're making psyllium great again. I'm making psyllium sexy. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like back to just, just to reiterate some of your basics, like, you know, obviously hydration is going to be pretty key. 
what's confusing is when you see people who are constipated and they drink tons of water. I mean, wild to me. It happens. That's actually not to get like super personal, but I know somebody within my family who's like that drinks a ton, always, yeah. always drinking hot teas, hot lemon water, water, and it's always warm. Um, they're a little bit older and they did not eat a lot of vegetables. And then when I was like, you need to eat more vegetables, that was the game changer for them. They found mm-hmm. that they were not skipping days. They used to have to, they used to have to physically go in digitally to help evacuate. Okay. So that's sometimes. one of the, okay. That is one of those. I, I don't see many people uh, doing, doing that. So that's interesting that. Yeah. Um, that it was know. a family member though. So, yeah. um, but, but I was like, you need to eat more vegetables and they have been, and they found that they don't have to stress about it, but their bowels moving as much anymore. And that was the limiting factor because they drank a lot of water. Yeah. Cool. So there's some, those some easy ones and, and we yeah. could go into different kinds of fiber. Like what you're talking about with veg usually is an insoluble fiber. What you brought up with psyllium is a viscous uh, fiber and the physical chemical properties of your fiber make a big difference. I, f- I feel like, well, I'm going to assume other, I'm going to assume that other naturopaths have done this too, is we have confused, just said it's fiber, just like all fibers the same and it, the physical chemical properties of the fiber fiber are critical to knowing uh, how it works and then um, knowing when to use it. So I used to lump insoluble fiber from like veg with soluble fiber, which can be, you know, viscous fiber, such as psyllium. Uh, Soluble fiber could also be um, something like your prebiotics. So they're very different, right? And so I would say the most most important, I mean, you got to have insoluble fiber from veg because veg are, I mean, that's fuel. But next on that list, I, I think that uh, soluble viscous fiber of psyllium is is got to be, uh, it's got to be the the winner for me. Yeah, it has been much more of a staple for me, and as part of my recommend, it's a staple for me personally. But it's also um, something that I recommended a lot more to clients just to improve regularity. And sometimes that alone has just shifted the game for people. And it doesn't necessarily require abdominal pelvic floor work. Although I'm going to agree with you in the sense that if they had been constipated for a long time, there's likely some structural muscular stuff that has paid the toll because of that or leading contributing factor to that, that still should be addressed. Yeah. I've seen both. I've seen where it does the trick. Uh, I'm just looking, I was looking at, remember I told you, Hey, let's look at our, uh, previous few weeks of patients mm-hmm. and see if there's any interesting cases. I, I'm just looking at one 33 year old woman and uh, we did visceral manipulation, which I, I, I do all right. Um, sometimes you do it really well and sometimes you don't, but we did psyllium as well. And, and, uh, she came back the next time and her constipation has gone from just basically that. Mm-hmm. So, so psyllium can do that, but there are other cases like yeah. I'm sure you've seen where it's like, well, no, if there's a massive, say they've got like mega colon, which is such a wicked term. It's so cool. Mega colon, um, from like years of constipation and it gets like big and tortuous. That's another wicked, <laughs> tortuous colon, tortuous um, colon. big, massive, twisted colon. Um, maybe psyllium won't be enough. You might no. need some other help there too, but uh, it's good to start with the easy stuff. Like you said, water, eat your veg. Yep. Now we're talking about psyllium and this is not a, we're not telling everyone to have psyllium, right? Cause we have to be careful with that. This is a general conversation, <laughs> not specific recommendations. But just between you and me and everyone else that's listening, 
it's pretty <laughs> safe. It's pretty awesome. Uh, <laughs> and magnesium we've talked about, like actually yes. in the podcast that we previously recorded i we we talked about my love of magnesium and yours and and a lot of people are just how do i put this people are wound tight these days we're stressed Uh out and we're unnerved and if your nervous system is like not balanced that also affects digestion which can affect how things are eliminating blah 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 like spiral 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 so i find magnesium helps people sleep better calms their nervous system improves bowel movements i feel like it's just a gem in the grand scheme of things um and i had somebody who had chronic constipation this isn't yeah i had somebody who was chronic constipation she's in her 60s and she's literally had it for as long as she can remember in her life Mm -hmm. and we we even just did something like a fiber blend in the morning. And then she would take natural calm before bed. Yeah. And she was like, I don't have to worry about skipping days anymore. And I was yeah. like, great. My only, you know, what I have come to see though, is that people who have had chronic constipation for let's say long-term more than 10 to 20 years before they come see you is that I've noticed that some of those clients are once we once we've moved the constipation, they have somehow been diagnosed with diverticulitis a year or two later. Interesting. And I wonder if it's because the muscles of the colon have been so damaged or the outpouchings or whatever have been damaged because of impacted fecal matter that it's made bigger pouches or looser musculature that maybe leads to more of these diverticular pouches. And so, so I'm, I'm, I'm starting to see a little bit of that, which is really interesting as a consequence of like extremely long-term constipation. There's been a f- several cases that have come up like that. Interesting. Well, I'll have to keep that one in mind. I just had another yeah. case of um, with diverticulosis. Uh, no constipation, I don't think, with her, but a long uh, use of, or not extremely long, but quite a long use of, I think, naproxen and Toradol prior to that. Mm. So just, you know, just chewing up the intestinal lining. Yeah. meaning it's going to be more susceptible to, because that's the main yeah. risk factor usually for, for diverticulosis. If you take a bunch of aspirin yeah. uh, or something like that. So anyways, I just, I found that was interesting. And it's like, if you have chronic constipation clients to maybe keep an eye out for possible diverticulitis or losis, I guess, I mean, after, but the, I guess, because it does something to the integrity of the intestinal tract when you've had impact that would make sense. Matter for so long. Yeah. And I was like, sense. in my mind, I was like, huh, I wouldn't have put that correlation outside, but when you think about it, it does make sense. Yeah. Um, let's just to keep it sort of, we'll, we'll honor our sort of nerdy uh, background too. Alarm symptoms for constipation uh, would, would include uh, weight loss on non unintentional weight loss, mm-hmm. uh, hematocasia, which is pooping blood, mm-hmm. um, abdominal pain, it says here um, in the paper that I'm referencing Mm -hmm. and, uh, an abrupt onset in some cases, but those are fairly straightforward. I think anytime you you're pooping blood, uh, you need to be, you need to be checking that out with a good clinician, whether that's a naturopath or your doctor, you better check that out. Yeah. Um, yeah. What, what do you find other than like poor hydration, poor fiber content, um, what do you find could be possible contributing factors to people leading up to constipation developing in somebody? Yeah. I'm. Hmm. I mean, maybe an infection. Mm-hmm. 
uh, antibiotics, uh, you know, post in post, uh, infection antibiotics or, or just like a, you know, um, when they, when we just give antibiotics sort of prophylactic prophylaxis or, or, you know, it's like clear cutting, right? You just, you just clear cut all your flora. Um, so yes, I would say that's one thing that can lead up to it. Like other sort of normal, Mm-hmm. uh infections like campylobacter and, and things like yeah. that just even the infection itself could just change the terrain it's not even the antibiotics but i find sometimes the infection itself can just lead to yes weird things after yes do we take our little short segue here into what i wanted to talk about with infections oh, yes it's it seems relevant um infections are one of those core triggers that i'm sure Michelle, you and I, and a whole bunch of naturopaths would say kind of can take us from like cruising in life with our little tiny ups and downs of whatever our health issues are to like, oh, something changed, boom, right there. And, you know, we've talked, I think we talked briefly about mental, emotional, physical triggers can happen, like traumas can happen. uh, And then infections are one of them too. I would say drugs Mm -hmm. are another one. Mm -hmm. Um, What else does any other common ones? like traumas yeah mental i see yeah like i said oh, mental, like concu- emotional concussions, physical any kind of trauma are big, on any level of, yeah, yeah 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 so those are things and so i'm gonna i'm gonna talk about infections being i mean i think anyone can agree that you've seen if you work in chronic disease or maybe some patients have had like epstein-barr virus and then they get recurrent epstein-barr virus like latent epstein-barr virus stuff happening like uh i was just looking up uh there was some other infection that leads to idiopathic thrombocytopenia because I got a new ITP patient coming in. Oh. And it's it's like it they they happen after viral infections often. That's what triggers it. A neuroimmune switch happens. Okay. Mm. So um I if we can I mean I don't want to get into trouble here, but I'm I guess I'm willing to do it because I'm saying it. Infections can lead to adverse effects, autoimmune disease, and a whole bunch of whack stuff. Yeah. What is, and this is not an anti-vaccine anything, but what is a vaccine really? It's like a small dose of an infection, infectious agent. It's there to induce some sort right. of immune response. The class, the classical definition is to have a live or attenuated microorganism in the vaccine, the vaccine itself to stimulate your immune system. Right. Class, so that def- classic definition. Yeah, exactly. And that definition has changed like many have uh, lately. But anyway, uh, I just thought that was that was relevant to the really like I, I consider myself a pretty rational sort of guy. Yeah. Um, and and I'm, I'm not like waving this flag or the other flag. I love flag waivers because if we don't have flag waivers on both sides of things and we don't have the real story, I, I'm boring. I'm in the middle, probably. Um, but okay, if we but you're practical ex- about this, you're, you're coming at it from a medical space where you're, where you're, you're observing things from both sides rather than just myopically observing a situation, which I think is important as a doctor. I'm trying, I'm trying, you know, and so people can have infections and things happen after that, right? We've accepted that. Now, if we accept also that vaccine vaccinations are controlled, you know, or metered infections in a way to stimulate, mm-hmm. uh, to stimulate an immune response. And if we why would we think that that cannot lead to some weird stuff happening? Yeah. And, and that's where I met with the whole, uh, 
can and you know by the way i i just took my kid uh what we went like almost two months ago for his uh for vaccinations okay so like i'm not against i'm just saying you have to accept if you have a brain and you accept that vaccines work by the stimulation of the immune system how do you not accept that something could be shifted a little bit too much this way or that way and lead to deleterious effects or just weird shit and that's that's where i wanted to talk about just quickly about this weird thing my grandma told me about like a 90 year old friend of hers who after check this out after uh I, i believe pfizer vaccine i forget i think the mrna one of the mrna vaccines she got her she got her period 90 years old, 90 years old. Right. And you were in this, and you were just telling me how some other, uh, patients some have person, had like someone strange... reached out to me with very remarkable changes in their menstrual cycles. And a lot of times uh, as, as far as I've had a few, I had somebody who had breakthrough bleeding well after hitting menopause where they hadn't had a period in years and suddenly yes. they had a period again. Um, and recently had somebody reach out to me who I had to refer out to somebody else because of something specific she was looking for, but, um, extremely like hemorrhagic, like heavy flows, yes. with massive clots, which was completely remarkable compared to her other 30 something years of having a period. Um, and it's been like this for a year in most people's period changes. I have found that I have had several women come to see me and say that they've had a shift, but it would last like one cycle or two cycles and it would go away where this woman mm-hmm. has been suffering for like a year now. So it's pretty remarkable. Well, I've had other people, vaccine enthusiasts, I would say even, uh, have crazy stuff happen for like no period came for like six, seven something months after, yeah. uh, even someone close in my family, I won't say who obviously they're female, so you can narrow it down a little bit, but, um, they had, uh, definite issues with their, with their periods, not returning, after mm-hmm. their dose. So I just want to even hide after you. the, and even after the infection themselves, and these people are fighting right, I, weird exactly. stuff. And I'm glad you're bringing COVID that infection up. Itself. I'm glad you're bringing that up because that's a, that's an important thing that I like to say when I have any criticism of any intervention, including these, I want to say the same things could happen arguably to people post natural infection. Like there have been, I find influxes, you brought EBV up, but I have found that people have had, um, reactivation of herpes and EBV post-infections as well. And then that wears down on stuff. And we talked to, oh my gosh, what was her name? But we were talking about chronic fatigue and how these types of stealth viruses will really drain somebody's vitality. Um, so it's, you know, well, understanding, yes, Jenny Tafunkin. So it's important to know people's past medical history to see if there's something lingering that might be coming back that's causing these residual like long-term symptoms like the the long covid and the things like that that just we've seen long other stuff forever as i guess what i'm saying and even like ebv uh you know my dad my my stepdad has uh rheumatoid arthritis and it's 10 times higher in people that have had ebv so to think that any kind of infection or vac uh sorry infection analog or artificial infection to think that that can have no effect at all on your neuroimmune balance is crazy. And I, I'm done. I'm sorry. I just wanted to hijack this constipation episode because I feel like we're fairly rational sort of voice in this. And I don't want to like, 
I don't, I don't want people to think that they're crazy if they are noticing these things or feel shamed if they tell it to someone, you know, no. like, look, this is, this is the, this is the chronology, everything fine. Da, 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 da. Then something happened and Oh, something happened right after There's, right. I'm not saying it's always the case, but my God, yeah. you got to think about it. So just like people can get concussions and then they never feel well after people can go to be in a exactly. car accident and they never feel exactly. well after people can have a very stressful, emotional reaction to something. And then it's like their body falls apart after there's a lot of reasons why people's bodies fall apart and we need to be open to having discussions regardless of what the trigger is, yes. we need to have rational discussions that we understand how to better support somebody's healing process and recovery. Um, and, and I think it's important to acknowledge that. Exactly. Okay. And, and yeah. And, and I think it's just also important to realize that you have to always risk, like there's, there's pro cons for everything when you make a decision as well. Thank you. So you got you uh, to be understanding of those things. Thank you for walking along my, uh, little, sideway segue tirade there but i just think it's really with, important but same thing bring it back to the constipation having yeah, some sort us, of infection some sort of infection can have long-term consequences That's on the digestive health as well and right? you're good so at this hosting gig sometimes i'm all together wow. it's because i had a beautiful walk in the sunshine i'm like a rejuvenated woman today guys. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so i think that's where we're coming in i know i as part of my um intake when I have a new client, if I don't get it in the first visit, it's happening on a second visit. When it comes to their past medical history, I'm asking about things like that. Now, I think I also want to start asking about mercury amalgams and uh, how many cavities and infections because oral health has a big to, to do with that. But anyways, part of my intake is also um, traveler's diarrhea and food poisoning, because those are quite triggering infections that can create immunological reactions that can interfere with your mitigating motor complex, which then has a massive impact on how things move through exactly. and are eliminated in your digestive tract. So it's always part of my intake now to ask those questions because infections are a big deal. And I had one, I had one patient who I, I did my work, like the, the basics kind of thing. And, and I think she'd seen a lot of like, as you know, as it gets, as you get a little bit more into practice, you end up seeing yeah. people that have seen everyone else. Um, this, this, I think I did a pretty good job with, you know, my basics and stuff, but in the end, what, what really helped her with her, uh, I believe it was constipation. I can't remember if it was constipation or diarrhea. The, the point is, I mean, we're talking about constipation, but it's, it's hard not to talk about just dysregulated, uh, yeah. migrating motor complex types of things. The thing that helped her, the, uh, uh, significantly was a homeopathic Campylobacter jejuni. Mm. So I just gave her the same, and we know that she had Campylobacter because she was one of the, few, she was lucky enough to know that that was the bug. So sometimes that isopathic or homeopathic approach can be helpful too. I don't go there very often for those of you that are very like evidence-based. Oh my God, you're horrified. I'm using isopathic. Well, listen, you, you try all the good stuff. And then at some point you, you do lean a little bit more to uh, things that are maybe less understood. Yeah. And I find just understanding that past medical history, it's, it's just helpful to help unravel the case to get it back to a place of health and balance. And there could be some still low grade underlying infection happening um, that needs to be addressed. I People often think if you had a parasite, it would cause loose stools. But we discussed this once in the past too, when having a parasite can initially cause loose stools as your body's trying to aggressively get rid of it. But if your body can't aggressively get rid of it, and that finds a way of burrowing its way into your system a little bit more deeply, 
um, sometimes I find it, it may lead to actually chronic constipation. Yeah. And, and the bugs are going to change the environment around totally. them to suit them. Just like H. pylori when it's, I believe it secretes, does it secrete urea? I believe it secretes urea in the pylorus area of the stomach so that it's little local area is a little bit less acidic. Uh, so bugs change their environment. If you, if you let them, they're going to try and, you know, carve out their own home, just like we do. If you come to a piece of land, what do you, what's the first thing you do? You oh, I, I like the lay of this land, you know, and, and you try and you build according to what you like to live in. So bugs do the same in us. Yeah. All sorts of infections. Um, what else? I've seen uh, post-concussion type of stuff because the neurological That's important. Why. Yeah. And I'm glad you brought it up a few times because I, I forgot to, I neglected to bring that one up, but tell, tell a bit more about that one. Anything that affects your neurological system can massively impact your digestion. Like it's as Ooh, simple as that. Yeah. <laughs> and I would say the other way too happens. I know you're talking about like concussion. So top down, mm-hmm, but, but, but yeah, bottom up can happen too. Man, I was a moody teenager and I think it's, I had like pretty nasty IBS. I was just a moody little shit. And, um, and I do think a lot of it came from like, my bowels are just mangled when I was, mm. when I was young. Um, so yeah, it made me a moody little bugger. And some people who are dealing with emotional stuff, <clears throat> a lot of our neurotransmitters are made in our digestive tract and they play a very important role in transit time, like serotonin and 5-HTP. Yes. Um, so there are gut motility formulas and complexes that actually have 5-HTP to help your body build serotonin because it actually impacts transit time and how things move through your system. And if you're emotionally distressed all the time, you may, you may be down-regulating that production of those things, or you may just not make sufficient amounts and that affects your digestion as well. So there's so many moving parts. That's where digestion becomes so interesting to me. Like, it's just, I feel like I'm constantly, we've talked about this before too, Dave. It's like, the more I know, the more I realize I don't know what's going on. Well, one cool thing you, and this is more your jam than mine. So let's just, let's, let's say that. And then I'll, yeah. I'll bring in something that I, I find really cool too. But you were talking about like, you know, mental, emotional sides to constipation. Mm. Do you want to say anything, say anything about patterns that you've noticed? Cause like I said, the way I work, I don't see it as much, mm. um, but I'm not looking for it. Yeah. I have um, people who are, okay. There's a few. People who are ruminators get stuck with anger and have a hard time letting go of situations. So if we're going to unpack that from a traditional Chinese medicine perspective, anger corresponds with the liver, um, worrying and ruminating can weaken the gallbladder. And we already know, well, you should know if you've listened to our conversations, my love of the liver and the gallbladder, they make bile and bile is also very helpful to help you lubricate your bowels as well as mm-hmm. help with the microbial terrain of your, of, of your gut. Yeah. So that's going to influence transit time, but also the large intestine has to do with the emotions of letting go from a traditional Chinese medicine perspective. So sometimes when I'm talking to someone and I see certain emotional patterns, it's really cool how, when you step back and look at it from a traditional Chinese medicine perspective, you're just like, I feel like I need to explore this organ more, or this is interesting, or they're always waking up at like two o'clock in the morning. And I'm like, bingo, you know? So there's some interesting correlations with, with those types of emotions that I find. And I'd say like for the, for the younger uh, naturopaths, if you're listening or like newer to practice, stay, um, stay, 
what's the right, you have to have the right attitude with some of those uh, TCM uh, patterns or some, some of the homeopathic sort of patterns in terms of like these type of people have these types of problems or, or whatever, this organ is associated with this. If you don't see it in the first few years of practice, I wouldn't be surprised, but the more you get to know and, and fig and stumble through like learning by doing, I think you'll see some of those patterns come back. I don't know if that's a, Michelle, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but that's, what's happened with me is especially with the osteopathic training. Now I'm seeing like the, even the meridians making mm. a lot more sense because of cool. where I'm touching and feeling things. And they're like, Oh, they, they knew something about the link between um, like, I've, Oh yeah. You just stay tuned. Like keep those things. I wouldn't, I wouldn't live and die by them a lot of time when you're first practicing. Uh, but I would, I, I would try and keep them in mind as you, as you accumulate more and more experience yeah. and see how these patterns that Michelle's talking about, really, they will come through as you know, more, you know, cases and, and have more experience. Sometimes I don't even bring it up to my, like, sometimes I don't unequivocally say to my client, well, this is it, but I'll be like, here's something to chew on. I just want you to reflect on this. And I'll tell them, you know, um, the colon is connected to the emotions of letting go. And you have difficult time eliminating, but you've also made these kinds of statements or expressed this. So there might be something to look into there or, or, yeah. or reflect on. And then people are like, oh, that's interesting. And sometimes that's all I do. I just give them a little something to, to chew on. Right. Um, and sometimes it becomes a lot more obvious and we have more in-depth conversations. And I said, I think you need to work with like somebody to help you unpack stuff. Cause it feels like you are stuck emotionally and mentally. And I'm not surprised your digestion feels stuck too. And then sure enough, they start like, it's like, it's like their body just wants to like release more. Well, that's so a part, it's pretty interesting. That's a part of the art of practice too. Like you've been doing it for a while. And we were saying earlier, just, you know, we're just starting to feel like we are getting, you know, good at it or better yeah. at it or whatever, yeah. realizing you don't know enough, but like getting better. And, and I think, you know, what you just said there, say, if you, if you say that to the right person, that can be the best medicine, right? But you may not say it to every person. You may, oh, gosh, it may no. not, there's some people I can think of what, like, I can think of people I saw this week. I'm like, I wouldn't say that to him or no. her, because I just don't think it's the right uh, receptor for that information. Right. That's uh, where being a good clinician is. You have to, yeah. you have to be able to read the room and yeah. know when, when a certain piece of information is the right time to deliver and how to deliver it and whether or not you have to completely scrap that idea of delivery and completely course correct, right? Yeah. Because of the person's personality and temperament and even the, their emotional state in that visit, yeah. right? So oh, yeah. that's what makes a good clinician. And, and yeah, Dave, you and I were talking. It's like all for the new naturopaths too. Not everyone's trajectory in clinical practice is going to be the same. Don't compare yourself to others. You know, I, it took me a long time to finally get some traction with how I wanted to practice, identifying yeah. who I was and what my focus was. And I was just telling Dave, I was like, I feel like maybe only in the last two to four years have I really figured it out. And I've graduated in 2000, like I got my license 2010. Like it yeah. takes time sometimes. Not everybody just hits the ground running. Yeah. And I'm very confident with where I am now, but it took time. Yeah. Okay. It is what it is. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Okay. So, um, we had, we gave away some of the basic stuff that we use there for constipation. Yeah. I think when you're getting beyond, you know, magnesium and, and psyllium, um, you might be getting beyond sort of self-help at that point. And yes. I, I think it's, it's probably time to see naturopath. And then maybe if the naturopath thinks you're, you know, if they're straining, then go to see a pelvic floor physio, or if you've got the means, 
or interest, osteopathic visceral manipulation, you know, it might take a team to go at it, but the, I think we're just given those little bits yeah. like eat your plants, yeah, viscous fiber, magnesium. Yep. After that, mm, maybe get some oh, help. Oh, a few other tidbits, get a stool to optimize the, the angle in which your, oh, your yeah, squatty want potty. to eliminate. Yeah. If it's not, if it's not the, the all amazing squatty potty, just a stool. Just something yeah. to prop your legs up to create to create the right stool. angle to to release the sphincter. So if you would, um, but just look at if if you if you want, just look at the video on Squatty Potty. It's the it's, it's so a, good. One of the, it's like what is it ten or twelve years old now? But I remember watching it, going, "Oh my god, this is the greatest like internet ad I've ever seen." Yeah, if I was tripping on mushrooms, it'd be even better. But it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's honestly hysterical. It's hysterical. It's funny and it's so clever. But well just, done. It's very well done. Um, and so so there is something to, to that stool thing. And I would also say exercise. A lot of people are not yes, moving. Yes, we should have talked about that. Yes. And a lot of people are not moving. And just that stagnation in, in your whole body is going to also have likely a stagnatory effect on your bowels and your digestive system to be able to properly eliminate. So I just want to make sure we touched on those two things. When I, when I used to do more runs, I, I knew there, where the toilet was at about two kilometers because something would happen. You see on the run. Yeah. Yeah. Don't, don't like, like long race runners, like, uh, like they do like marathon runners. Like they will sometimes crap themselves to not lose momentum. Is this a thing? Uh, I think I heard this is a thing. <laughs> oh, no, but it's, my not un, it's not unheard of when they're doing like a massive, like full marathon because they don't have time to stop. And I was like, Oh, see, don't count. I'll ask don't, my brother. My don't. I think my brother appreciates a good bell movement too much to let it get in the way of his ultra marathons. But I'm like, don't, don't, <laughs> like, don't sign me up for an ultra marathon because I need to have my bowel movements in peace in a bathroom. Thank you very much. Not in my pants. <laughs> but yeah, okay. Exercise, guys. Exercise can't go wrong, right? It's part of our foundations. That's maybe why I didn't bring it up, and that's I'm I'm glad you brought it up because it is one of those foundations. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, that's, that's probably a, a good little primer in constipation, obviously visceral manipulation. We didn't specifically talk about, but sometimes you have to move the structures of the, of this, of the uh, abdomen to make things come out better. And I um, would say if somebody's working with an RMT and you don't have access to an osteopath, ask them if they do abdominal massages, good idea. get some blood flow going in there, right? Like just yeah. get something happen moving. Rule right? of the artery is supreme. Oh my God the voice of god guys <laughs> that's the voice of uh that's an that's an old osteopathic axiom the rule mm. of the artery is supreme if things don't get blood flow it's good not luck. good good luck yeah bon I, felt like, I felt like i had something else on the tip of my tongue and i forgot so it's okay um but oh oh yes a reminder you should poop every day it should yeah. be easy to pass yes it should not take a million wipes, but that's more loose stools than constipation, but it should be easy to pass. It should feel like a complete void yes. and it should not be hard and it shouldn't be like rabbit poops and it shouldn't have hard grooves in it. It should be like a smooth sausage or a sausage, if you would, for the, for the people who speak more English. <laughs> um, and it, it, in settling for the no, no more than like no less than three times a week is, is not going to cut it every day, guys, you should poop every day and it should feel like a complete void. And you should walk out of the bathroom like a champ. If you've got to put Rocky music on, do it, but you should walk out of the bathroom feeling like a champ after a poop. That's it. I think that 
the that's a great ending for our podcast and it it's similar to how i feel after a great bowel movement thank you sure. michelle for a great ending to our chat nailed Talk it next week bye guys that naturopathic podcast tnp hello there Hey everyone, Dr. Dave here. As you probably know, this podcast is all about getting the word out there that naturopathic medicine has got some serious game. Educating and inspiring our listeners to work towards and achieve better health is what it's all about. But just like it takes energy and effort to invest in and strive towards greater health, it takes energy, effort, and financial support to do all the podcast things necessary to keep this message coming at you. So please afford me a moment to share our gratitude and give a real heartfelt thank you to our show sponsor, Cytomatrix Canada. Their patient focus focused vision of improving health outcomes with the use of high quality naturopathic doctor designed supplements is 100% in alignment with what we're trying to do here at the podcast. Their enthusiasm for supporting what we're trying to do for you, the listener, encourages us to keep producing content that will inform and inspire. Thanks again to our sponsor, Cytomatrix Canada.